Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm Dr. Yes. Woo! I think that might be one of our more shameful ideas for a phrase, Tyler. It was I blame idea, you. So. I blame you. Okay. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> this week, we are talking about Dr. No. Oh my god. See, we subverted your A James your Bond film. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. A James Bond story, I should say. <laughs> uh, I am recovering from the flu this week, so... Uh, this is Alex's perfect scenario where he gets an entire podcast to talk about James Bond without my interference for the most part. Yeah, but it, it would have been better if it's one that you actually disliked. That True. way I, I can hijack the podcast. And be like, <laughs> like, no, 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 it's great, it's great. Isn't James Bond great? <laughs> well, it's just funny for me because, you know, if you've listened to the past several podcasts, I haven't really enjoyed any of the movies we've been watching really since Mission Impossible Fallout. Right. So we're jumping from a spy movie to another spy movie in terms of stuff I like. This is a spy movie podcast now. Yes. Except we're not because I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, we're going to be that way for a while because there's a lot of James Bond movies. There are a lot um, of James Bond movies. Thank you. Just to reiterate, we are doing the... Is it six or seven movies? I can't remember. It's it's the Several. first run of, of Bond movies with Sean Connery and then George Lazenby's um, one film, mm-hmm. sort of breaking it up. Um, so we're doing Dr. No through Diamonds Are Forever. Um, it, for people that are wondering about Never Say Never Again, the unofficial Sean Connery James Bond film, or the one that's not in the official series, uh, we will be doing that when we get to the Roger Moore era, which will happen at some point. Mm-hmm. But we like to take breaks from breaks from things now and again you know sure sure after the mcu it's just like yeah we don't need to do 20 movies in a row we were an mcu podcast for half a year that was that was a lot fine fine but anyways um i guess we we need to have a little bit of preamble so we've done the daniel craig bond movies and i think we talked about those were by the way uh for those of you who are have joined us in the interim uh the they were the second or third franchise we did. It was very early on. Yes. I do not remember which one. Um, and we specifically did the Daniel Craig run, run of movies. Um, number one, because Spectre was fresh on the brain and I had to talk about it somehow. Right. Because um, that movie drives me insane. For better or for worse, it drives me insane. It's definitely for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but then also... <laughs> why, thank you for agreeing with me. Um, but then also those movies are trying to be tied together into one cohesive continuity. Um, so we just figured just doing the four of them together. And it's, it's a hard reboot for the series. Right. Because everything else is supposed to be canonical. Sure, sure. We're going to have a field day with some of these movies in continuity. <laughs> just just forewarning you. Um, but I'm a pretty big James Bond fan. Even the bad movies I enjoy, even though I can tell you straight to your face, they're terrible. Because um, uh-huh. they are. Really, I don't think many of the Bond movies are good movies. <laughs> sure. If I'm being perfectly honest. But I enjoy them a lot. Um, Tyler and I have discussed this before, how it's kind of you either grew up a kid at, with, with James Bond or Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. And Tyler's more of an Indiana Jones guy and I'm more of a James Bond guy. 
I think that's that's how. Which I would now that you said that, situation. somebody would likely respond, "Ah, but I'm both," and it's like, "Well, be well, quiet. that's nice." <laughs> well, then you've got the best of both we're, worlds. We're happy for you. <laughs> we're happy for you. But yeah. it does it does I think go to underscore a lot of our sort of points of reference for yeah some of these franchises. Um, so if you hear me praising these movies, uh, take it with a grain of salt because I might. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'll start to praise a movie and they'll be like, yeah, D. Right. <laughs> that might happen. Um, I don't think I will be sugarcoating it quite as much. No, no, you won't. Uh, but Tyler has only seen a handful of James Bond movies outside of the Daniel Craig films. Yeah, and I think pretty much pretty everything much that like I've... Three or four that I showed you, right? Yeah, and, and not even necessarily so much watched as... Uh, been in the same room as you watching them yeah. uh, in a lot of cases and I, yeah I don't think I've seen any or I, I don't remember much of anything beyond the Connery movies either so we'll see we'll see how this goes yeah 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 so Dr. No I'm, I'm very curious to see if my, my power rankings at the end of all this end up being just like wildly different from mm-hmm. like I, I really hope they do I really hope they're just like <laughs> like you show them to a, a quote unquote bond a bond purist maybe a, a guy who goes on bond fan forums and, and they're just like what is this <laughs> I hate you well th- the best thing about James Bond is there's such a variety of the movies not just in terms of quality but just in mm-hmm. terms of tone um, in terms of like locations, in terms of, in terms of your Bond performances, it's so varied. No two fans are going to have the same list, right? Uh, as opposed to like something like Star Wars, right? Uh, there's still a sizable number of movies, but really you can like group people into categories in terms of how they're going to rank stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a lot easier to do that with James Bond. It's just kind of everyone likes their own section yeah. of Bond. Uh, and, and I really, really like that. Uh, I know it's a long preamble. I'm going to continue with this long preamble. Um, Sean Connery's never been my favorite Bond. Uh, Daniel Craig is my favorite James Bond. But even even growing up, now I kind of think of it as Daniel Craig and then everybody else. Right. It's kind of mixed together for me. Uh I actually like Timothy Dalton quite a bit. I know a lot of people don't, uh, but he's the closest to Bond as described in the books in terms of how he behaves. Uh, so I really like that. I've been slowly over the past several years, I've been rereading, or some of them rereading, some of them reading for the first time, uh-huh. the Bond series. And I'm I'm a little over halfway. I've been very slow with my progress. Right. And it's very interesting like going back in time (laughs) Uh, but yeah Connery's like I like Sean Connery but I came to this realization several years ago that and I'm I'm kind of maybe I'm I'm going too far ahead here but after the first few movies his performance very quickly diminishes because he very clearly doesn't want to be there and I've done I've done research. I I, I know mm-hmm. what's mm-hmm. what's what happened behind the scenes with these movies. He didn't want to be there. <laughs> because he kept demanding more money and he didn't like the attention that Bond, you know, was was having on him. Right. 
because everybody just was like, Sean Connery is James Bond. And he's like, no, I'm just Sean Connery. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, but yeah, Connery's never been my favorite Bond, even though, bringing it back to, to Dr. No, I kind of think this is, this movie has his best performance, but that's just me. Um. Anyways, really weird, re- weird side thought here that will probably be more relevant when we actually switch uh, actors here. Yeah, uh, in a while. Um, it's strange to me because Doctor Who also started in the '60s, if I'm not mistaken. In fact, I'm almost certain that's the case. Um, and the actor said Doctor Who. I got very confused. I'm like, we're talking about <laughs> Doctor No. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Come um, on, Tyler. But they, they. I know you're sick. You're not drunk. Uh, debatable. Um, <laughs> no, they 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 switched actors after the first actor because the first actor was getting kind of um, up there in age, and you know he wasn't really fit for the part anymore, and wanted to kind of move on, like be with his family. And so uh, they 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 had the idea of like, oh, let's write in a way for the actor to change, and that's a really interesting. Thing. And I guess I guess as a larger point here. Were these movies produced by the British, or like, like how how does that how did that work out? <laughs> um. So the movies were produced by Harry Saltzman and Cubby Broccoli, and both of them were American producers. Uh, I think they used mainly British talent to make the movies, but it was an mm-hmm. American production. Um, and they used Britain a lot to shoot them, like uh, Pinewood Studios. That's kind of the famous, like, the Bond location. Uh, so they used a lot of those resources, but it was made right. from an American mindset. Okay. I was just curious because, like, that's a weird thing. For... When was the last Bond movie as well? That was in the 90s, wasn't it? Didn't they? Before, sorry, before um, Casino Royale, I should say. Oh, it's Dino of the Day, 2002. Oh, so they did actually get to 2000s. Okay. I was going to say, because also Doctor Who... and it feels like maybe the most 2002 movie you've ever seen. I'm excited. Um, You should be. You mean aside from Venom? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I would rather watch Die Another Day than Venom. I'll I'll say that. I'll I'll let you know my thoughts when we get there. And we can trade up a terrible... Eminem rap with the, with the the title of the movie in it to a, a terrible Madonna song with the title Amazing. of the movie in it. It's perfect. Um, Madonna cameos in the movie. Eminem does not cameo in Venom. Thus, I have to give it an F. That's fair. She's gonna, only in it for like thirty seconds. It's change not, it on the score sheet. Uh, Changing on the score sheet. No, I'm not changing right. on the score uh, sheet. <laughs> the. Um, but yeah, it's weird because Doctor Who also it it cut off. I want to say the late eighties. It was either late eighties or early nineties. Um, but then was rebooted in the mid two thousands with kind of the incarnation that people now are are probably more familiar with. Um, that's just a weird a weird thing, and I don't know if it's if it's something to do with the era and the idea of like that wasn't. I, I don't know. I don't know what that says culturally. I, I don't know what that says about media and, and film. But those are two very similar properties in that they're very long-running British yeah. properties where the actors have been recast and it's been rebooted. Yeah. And kind of is known for just being off the wall and going to all sorts of places. 
don't know. That, that's that's an interesting comparison. There's probably more to to break down there, and I will have to think of that. But that was the first thing that I thought of when you you brought that up, and I'm gonna have to like mine that idea for something more uh, thematic and important than oh hey that's a neat comparison. Yeah, it was just funny because and I, I will get to this course soon. Um, it's it's just funny because I I've been reading this book about the sort of history of the Bond franchise. Uh-huh. It's called Some Kind of Hero. I highly recommend it. It's great. It gets really in-depth with behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, but it talks about sort of the arduous process of Ian Fleming trying to get the books made into movies because he very clearly wanted that. Uh-huh. Um, and sort of how it slowly created all the different rights issues, like the reason they couldn't make Casino Royale because Sony... Um, I guess it wasn't Sony. A certain producer had it, and they ended up making it with Columbia Pictures, right. and that ended up leading to the terrible spoof in the '60s. Um, and then the whole thing with uh, producer Kevin McClory, and they were coming up with ideas for an original Bond adventure, and that eventually became Thunderball, uh-huh. uh, the book. And then Kevin McClory went, "Hey, no, I helped come up with that." So. It ends up leading to the Thunderball movie, which he got involved with, and then all the Spectre stuff. It's very complicated. It's it's similar to the Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic right. Four, like all that stuff with Fox yeah, yeah. and Sony. Yeah. Um, it's similar to that. So, anyways, <laughs> Doctor <laughs> No, directed by Terrence Young from 1962... It has a 96% critic score on on Rotten Tomatoes and an 82% audience score. Tyler, this movie has its flaws, but I kind of love it. What's your best thing and your worst thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right, that's the end of the podcast. Yeah, sounds good. Um, no, I think my best thing is... I mean, it's probably Sean Connery. Um I, I feel like he he has a lot of charisma, yeah, a lot of that uh, you know, sort of sixties. This is almost problematic. Uh, not not sure how to feel about some of the things that you're saying and and doing and acting. He doesn't quite hate women as much in this one, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, I've seen. I remember some of the other movies where where things get real weird. Uh, Goldfinger's great. This one, he only he only uh, sleeps with uh, a spy uh, who doesn't realize that he knows she's a spy, and then yeah. uh, kills her or something. I, I forget exactly how that worked. No, no, he, no, no, he, a, he has, he has he arrested. Arrest. He's a gentleman, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's a gentleman spy. Yeah. Um, he sleeps with three women in this movie. Correct. Like we're we're already starting off in like parody Austin Powers. <laughs> territory here. One's on a boat. <laughs> One's on a boat. Uh, yeah. I liked, I, I want to see the, the, the story like extended another like two minutes where, where Felix just turns around and is like oh hey he let the rope go can we go back and oh god! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Kind of strange. But he is charismatic. A lot of Bond movies end like that, and it's bizarre, but they're just like, yeah, we're going to have sex now. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> uh, so many of them end that way. The 60s were a different time. We uh, will be using that phrase a lot. 
Correct. It will come back. That is something that came up when I was first showing you these movies. Yes. Originally, like, we watched Goldfinger, and you were questioning some of the elements in it, and I was like, the 60s were a different time. And then that's just stuck. So we're going to be saying that a lot. And then I'll get to Roger Moore, and I'll be like, the 70s were a different time. (laughs) Spectre. Wait. Um, Anyway. The... Yeah, the the like the, his opening where he he's at the or he's gambling and and you know he he yep. seduces the the random lady gambling. I was like, all right, this is this is fit. So like I see a trench. Yeah, sure. Don't try and read too much into that name. <laughs> um, but the the uh, like the just the suave the suave nature he has and yeah, everything that that scene. I'm like, okay, th- this is. It, it's definitely misogynist and, and very, you know, kind of... Hey, at least uh, they're progressive enough to have her gambling. Yeah, yeah. It's not and, just, and, oh, she's standing beside her man who's gambling. Right, right. And and she she has agency, I guess. Uh, but just the, the fact that the way they play it, it's like, ah, oh, I can see he's just a very attractive man that she's attracted to. Okay, this, this is not the worst she thing. She does because... sneak into his apartment. Yeah, you know she's, she's. I don't know how she does that. She knows how what she, she wants. Dress. I don't know. She's Ooh. actually a spy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she does come back in the next movie for amazing. a scene. Uh, and then she's promptly discarded from the franchise, like many a Bond <laughs> women. Oh God. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's. It, I was. I was like, okay, he's not. He's not just grabbing her and be and like taking her by the hand to his room, being like, "Ah, now you're going to get on my bed." Like, you know, it's it's not a, <laughs> it's not just immediately. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, he just points to the bed. You're going to get on you. the bed now, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pressure <laughs> you into uh, into sexual relationships. It's uh, it's it's just he's he's throwing off. Oh, the you charm. mean like the beginning of Thunderball, where he almost dies, and the lady comes in and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry, something went wrong with the equipment." And he's like, "Okay, I promise I won't tell as long as you have sex with me." <laughs> That's how that scene plays out. Incredible. He, black, he blackmails this poor lady working at this this fitness resort for sex. Woo! The sixties were a different time. Alrighty. So, my worst thing. Indeed. Why'd they kill off Coral like that? <laughs> um, because he had to die at that point for the plot to continue. But it was like that. That was the most just like what? Are you, what? What's happening? Where? Where? Coral, uh, side side character, uh, who's who's you know been helping Bond kind of like scope out the island and like he's he's been kind of kind of an on and off comic relief sort of sort of character. And uh, did they have him? Uh, the the a vehicle that for some reason I guess we're gonna have to talk about this. So there's a vehicle that uh, has been equipped with flamethrowers and like dragon paint, and yes. some, and it's just like a jeep. But somehow this has convinced everyone that it's 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 a it's a it's like an army jeep or whatever. And it's yeah. convinced everyone that there's an actual dragon on the island. Yes, and it freaks uh, out the 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 natives. Yes, and then uh, like we Coral... don't go near Crab Key. There's a dragon there. Yeah, yeah. And then then Coral gets burned by this, like horribly burned, and like they, the way they shoot it, I think is almost maybe more horrifying than they expected it. Like they they yeah. for it to be. Like I think, 
I don't know. I don't even know. It's just a very quick cut, and then like a scream, like a blood curdling scream from Coral, and then a. It, ju- it, it we just never see him again. Bond is like looking at the smoldering wreckage of his body at one point. Yeah, he's kind of like, well, that's kind of sad. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then we just never address it again. Like yeah. Bond's never upset about it. Honey Ryder's never obsessed about it. It's uh, something. She has more reaction to to Bond stabbing that guy when they're in the water. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, why did you do that? He's like, because I had to. Yeah. She has more reaction to that than Quirrell getting horribly burned alive. <laughs> yes. And I like Quirrell. I have some concerns. Quirrell's, Quirrell's cool in my book. I like yeah. him. He took a He took a broken light bulb to the yeah, that cheek. Was, that was, that was awesome. That was a weird thing. That was awesome. I was like, shouldn't his, his jaw be hanging open at this he point? Sh- he should have just broken her arm right there. <laughs> I found it weird that the photographer never comes back. Like, she's, yeah, I feel like you could have somehow, just for efficiency's sake, combined her and the um, Miss Taro is the assistant that Bond sleeps with, and then gets her arrested. Um, I feel sure. like you could have somehow melded the two of them together. Yeah, probably. Uh, and maybe it's just me going. Bond doesn't need to sleep with three women in the movie. <laughs> well, if you do that, then he's. He's still slept with three women, but now he's slept with a third woman. He used to be two women. So does that just mean he slept with four women, though? Like, I, I think you might be making it worse <laughs> if, that's, if that's where you're going with that. Hey, Tyler, I think you're thinking too hard about it. I don't think you're thinking hard enough. This is Bond math. This is Bond math. <laughs> Hashtag Bond math. Woo! This should be an interesting franchise. <laughs> There's a reason it's stuck around for as long as it has. Yeah, that's my uh, best and worst thing. I'm going to start off with my worst thing because I don't really know what my best thing is. <laughs> um, actually, I think I do know what my best thing is, but I'll start with my worst thing. Um, I think my worst thing overall is just weird editing, and that mm-hmm. mostly has to do with the music. Because um, it comes down to they have the James Bond theme and then just like generic normal movie soundtrack, and then like... The Three Blind Mice song and the the Underneath the Mango Tree song that they're mm-hmm. kind of interspersed. But scenes will just start and it's like, oh, the James Bond theme's starting. And then it cuts to just a different section of the James Bond theme. Like, it's not <laughs> cohesive in how it's edited. And and the open opening titles are just bizarre yep. in, in retrospect. Um, with the context of the rest of the franchise, it's like, well, everyone, they have, like, a single opening track yeah. that they have, like, the the opening uh, titles are kind of consistent. Um, but this one is just like, no, we got kind of, like, a weird television techno thing going on mm-hmm. with, the, with the James Bond theme, and then it just cuts to people dancing, and it's, like, weird dancing. Yeah. Like, oh, we're, we're, we're in Jamaica, we're, we're dancing, we're hip, we're cool. And then it just cuts to the three blind mice song. Yeah, that was I forgot about that. That it's uh, yeah. it's bizarre. It was weird. I remember watching that for the first time. Like, am I watching the right movie? Like, I know the James <laughs> Bond theme was here, but come on. Also, the uh, the 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 Daniel Craig shooting the camera. That's that's an improvement. I have to say the way they do that. <laughs> well, the, the uh, best part is it's not even Connery in that first scene, and I think for the first several movies, it's not him. Uh-huh. It's a stunt guy. That's and I guess maybe very... the idea is that it's not necessarily Bond, but... Right, right. 
but I feel like that should be Bond. <laughs> well, it's, that it's, just makes sense. It's that. Well, it's... also the whole thing when you break it down, it's like, oh, you're looking down a gun barrel. The guy yes. somehow gets the drop on you, even though the he just walks in frame yeah. in the gun barrel, shoots a bullet, and then you start seeing blood through the gun barrel. Like, yeah. yeah. If you try to break it down logically, that opening and... makes no sense, but it looks awesome. I kind of feel like the animations, to, to me, they, they very much trigger a uh, a Monty Python uh, <laughs> a reaction in terms of the animation, which it makes sense because of the time period. Yeah. Um, but that was the first thing I thought of was the way that they'll do the kind of like 2D like stuff sliding around. Yeah. That was, that was like, I feel like we've come a long way from here. <laughs> well, it, it slowly improves. Um, and then you get to yeah, Die I know there's day. many different... The best versions. part about the Die Another Day opening titles is that when bond does the gun barrel um you see the bullet there's a cgi bullet that goes right through the camera okay and it's just bizarre I'm, and you're I'm like excited oh this thing that doesn't actually make sense when you break it down you're making it make even <laughs> less sense Beautiful. it's awesome i believe and terrible dr no or not the movie we're talking about. Die Another Day, I rewatched recently. Um, mm-hmm. There's a good plot in that movie somewhere. I'm sure. And there's a decent first third to half of that movie. And then the second half is garbage. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> but it's got an interesting hook. You're going to you're gonna have to put the... Ideas. Put the the, the I just want to talk about everything Bond. The floodgates of your Bond knowledge, because I'm going to be sitting here like, ah, yes, Thunderball. That is a movie. (laughs) It has probably an actor who plays James Bond in it. Bond pressures a girl into sex, and then the rest of the movie takes place underwater, and it's boring. That's my (laughs) review of Thunderball. Okay. Uh, But Doctor No. Doctor No. My best thing might just be it's just like a very simple straightforward adventure story. Yeah. Um there's not there's not a super ultra convoluted plot. Mm-hmm. There's not there's not a whole bunch of distractions of just nonsense that the Bond movies get later on. Um it doesn't get to the point where oh the plot doesn't matter it's just fun set pieces and beautiful women and dastardly mm-hmm. villains and Bond's just being Bond. That's what it gets to. Right. Very quickly, I might add. Um, but at this point, it's just like, no, the plot's holding everything together. It's just like a very straightforward mystery. Yeah, it's kind of like um, almost a, a detective. It's like a detective, uh, detective noir story, story yeah. almost. Um, and it's just Bond going on an adventure. And yeah. maybe that's just because you and I have been especially burned by Bond has to go rogue so sure. many times. Sure. Um, or just any any franchise. Works. Any any Any... What what I call pop spy franchise? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not even I'm not even stopping at franchise or at spy franchises. I'm saying just like anything where it's like, uh, you know that you, how every blockbuster has to be. Uh, yes, we are we are stopping the day from the uh, the universe ending threat or the world ending threat. Yeah, uh, we've discussed that. Some of the MCU, some of the DCU, you know, it, it it comes up a lot where it's like this is not a movie where you should be pulling that card, uh, and they don't here. It's oh they do later on. I'm aware. Once again, die another day. <laughs> uh, Giant space laser. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> it's amazing. 
It's not. Uh, but but this one, I mean, I I guess I don't entirely follow. Maybe the we'll have to we'll have to discuss this. I'm sure they mentioned it, and I just kind of am not quite following. But I don't entirely understand uh, Doctor No's end goal. Uh, I think I just missed and, a scene. Well, it's very interesting because they try to. Doctor No is not a Spectre agent in the books. Okay. Um, overall, the plot is pretty pretty close to the book. I would say. I, I'm not. I can't quite remember if the whole we shoot like radio waves at missiles and right. throw off their direction or whatever. I can't remember if that's part of it. Um, I know. Um, Doctor Knows Island. They like farm guano. Like there's a bunch of bats, and like that's just a thing. Uh-huh. And Bond eventually, I think he kills Doctor No by burying him in just mounds of guano. Okay. Okay. Um. So it's like very weird, bizarre, and offbeat. I kind of understand why they didn't exactly go go with that. <laughs> um, especially when it's like, no, we're gonna throw Doctor No in like, oh yeah, that know, was a that was a neat nuclear little... material or whatever yeah. he gets dropped in, and he can't I didn't, climb out. I didn't he, realize that was he the... can't grip. Sure, I didn't realize that was the ending of the movie though. Like I was, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, he's gonna like get out of this somehow, and then we're gonna move. And I was like, oh, it's, oh no, it's he's a really he's dead. cool set, and yeah. they. And it's just like, oh, it just starts to blow up. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's just like, I, I just wasn't expecting it right there. Yeah. See, this is what movies were like back then, when when the, the ending climax didn't last an hour. <laughs> I thought it was going to go on 30 minutes. I thought it was going to come out of the radioactivity and be a goo monster. I thought it was going to be like its own movie, that whole third <laughs> act. Oh, God. Now, my mind was just, like, one second it was Dr. No, the next second it was Batman versus Superman in that final fight. I was just like, oh, God, that's too much. <laughs> um, But, yeah, Dr. No is an Spectre agent in that. Okay. Um, I, I think he's just kind of a lone wolf. It's been a little while since I read Dr. No. Good book. Highly recommend it. Um, so, that being said, like... There's a, there's more to Doctor No and, and and really to all the characters. There's just more stuff in the books to help yeah. flesh out their characters and stuff. Where he it, it, as as it is in the movie, it's just kind of bare bones for many characters. Right. Look, Honey Rider is just kind of a bare bones character. And it's like she's pretty. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um. But yeah, the the, the villain plot itself. I think the problem is he doesn't say what his end goal is. Does he not? Like, I, I was thinking I just like did, I feel like it might have been brought up very early in the movie and I just didn't yeah. piece together, but maybe not. Well, well, because I, I got the feeling that they were trying to use him saying, "Hey, I'm a med- I'm a member of Spectre," as like that's the answer. That's kind of uh, like he's just trying to cause chaos and sure, kind of nebulous, sure. you know, bad things happening. Yeah. But I, I don't remember them saying, oh, I'm going to try and get hit it with radio waves so it'll hit this specific target. That way these things will happen. He didn't really delve into that yeah. at all. I guess it's problematic, but at the same time, I don't really care. Yeah. It didn't bother me that much. It's just... just yeah. Have you said your worst thing? Yeah, editing. Sound editing. Okay. Also, Have I you think... said your best thing? 
I, maybe. Um, hold on. I, I think every single female actress is dubbed except for Moneypenny. I believe. I know. I know. Honey Rider is. Um, sure. Ursula Andrews. I believe. Um, and I, as far as I can tell, it's not. It's not a, a, a dollars trilogy scenario where they can't actually speak English, so they sure. just kind of dub them over. Yeah. Here, it's they can speak English. I guess that their accents just don't fit the character, or maybe their acting's not very good, so they just dub them later. Sure, sure. <laughs> Which I think you said beforehand, it kind of makes it less distracting, if that's the actual reason. <laughs> because they're speaking the same language, yes, yes. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> and when they're mouthing the words, you're like, okay, they're mouthing the correct words. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. What more can you ask for, really? What more, really? Um... But yeah, going back to my best thing, it was just kind of how straightforward and, you know, simple the plot was. Right. Just efficient mystery story. We're done. Like, it doesn't it doesn't have the frills. It doesn't have the, the uber extravagance of mm-hmm. later Bond mm-hmm. movies. It's kind of bare bones and it's, it's, a, it's a tight piece. I like yeah. it. I agree. <laughs> Bond's opening at the casino is like one of the most awesome things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Which is weird because I think his actual like delivery when he says Bond, James Bond, it doesn't sound like Connery. Huh? Like the way he says it, it, it's not like how he talks through the rest of the movie. And maybe that's just because he's got the cigarette in his mouth when he's talking. I'm not sure. Yeah. It always just struck me funny. I was like, something doesn't sound right about that. I don't no. know what it is. But at the same time, this moment's awesome, so it doesn't bother me. No, no. These are my thoughts. <laughs> you can like them if you want. Of the or Star don't. Trek Alex Prize. What? That's not the USS Alex Prize. There we go. Oh my god. Were you really thinking the Star Trek Enterprise? <laughs> yes. Trek Wars. You know, you may, you may as well just said Doctor Spock. You know, Battlestar Galactica. Tyler's got all the terrible jokes tonight, folks. <laughs> um, but yeah, do, do we want to get into like characters and stuff and how quickly they set up the Bond formula? It's, sure. it's funny. It's funny because pe- people seem to think that this series doesn't really come into its own until Goldfinger. Uh-huh. I think it cements a lot of the tropes in the first movie. Yeah. Like, pretty quickly. And you could say, like, it gets more refined. And really, Goldfinger was the breaking point where it, like, just blew up all over pop culture and everyone, right. wanted, everyone wanted a piece of Bond. Yeah. Um, but I, I think in this one, they nailed down the formula pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Like, like it's just very interesting that some of the decisions they make, like having Money Penny being kind of this flirtatious side character. Uh-huh. She's not that in the books at all. Like she's just kind of there. Um, like Bond has like his own assistant or secretary in the books, and you know they they have a bit more of a relationship. Um, but Money Penny, like they 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 knew where to put their screen time it's very weird yeah um there's some good some good banter and stuff like that and yeah where uh 
and radios out to, to her as, as Bond's walking out and he's like, save the us- usual banter, uh, Bond's, Bond's in a hurry, or whatever yeah. it is, like. And even, even, it, it's, it's weird the fact that they kept the opening where they change Bond's gun. Yeah. Which, there's a whole story behind this. So apparently an enthusiastic fan sent in a letter to Ian Fleming going, well, hey, that's not the actual gun that that an agent like him would be using. He wouldn't be using a Beretta because a Beretta it catches. It's not it's not a very efficient gun. Um, he'd be using a Walther PPK. Mm-hmm. And so Ian Fleming goes, "All right, I'll write that into the book." <laughs> and the guy's name was Boothroyd, which is what the guy's name is who comes into the room and huh. gives him the gun. And that is supposed to be Q. He's not called Q in the books. He's called Major Boothroyd. But he runs Q Branch. Interesting. Yes. So technically that was our first appearance of Q. Huh. I was thinking that. I was like, oh, this must just be a side character who just kind of shows up and then is never going to be seen again. He's replaced in the next movie by the actual actor actor who plays Q. Interesting. What a... So where in the in the books did they introduce this guy? Is that is it in like I the second in, book? I think it's in the Doctor No book, which is like number like five. So then how did how did the five? guy? Oh, okay, I see. All right, yeah, I follow. But yeah, I found that interesting. Huh. But the fact that they bothered to keep that in. Well, I like think I, that no, I thought I I just caught that, and I thought that was a really nice addition because I thought that that was did a good job of. Uh, sort of establishing the iconic nature of the Walter. Um, yeah, like that. Well, it's it's interesting. I, I like it because it they don't start off with the Bond origin story. They they it's yeah. just like oh, this is just like another Bond adventure. It, yeah. It's it's almost like Star Wars. I'm gonna say it. Episode four, A New Hope, okay. where where okay. you just kind of get thrown into the, the middle sequel of the story. to Star Wars Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith. Correct. I hate you. <laughs> See, I had to say it, and then you just sorry, sorry, the wound. Sorry, the sequel to uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Oh well, that's not quite as bad. Which is the sequel to Solo, a Star Wars story? <laughs> which is the sequel to Revenge of the Sith, Star Wars Episode Three? See, what if I just press stop on this recording right now? Yeah, but I can and keep just, talking. And just it just closed my computer. I have all it's the power. Fine. I give Dr. <coughs> Noah a B. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Y'all want to talk about Endgame? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> We're going to get wrecked tonight. <laughs> Cold meds. Get, Let's get drunk, do it. Get drunk with Alex and Tyler as they randomly discuss Endgame for five hours. <laughs> based on two and a half minutes of footage. Correct. <laughs> Maybe less? Rocket's going to die. Everyone's going to die. That's my game analysis. Everyone else is going to die. It's going to be great. Yes. It's going to be great. Correct. And and Dark (laughs) Phoenix is just going to be terrible. And I'm going to watch it. I'm going to love it. It's not coming up. It's not coming up. $200 million on the line, Tyler. 
it's not coming up. Uh, they're just they're just gonna forget about it. They're gonna be like, oh crap, we forgot to we forgot to send it to theaters. Theaters gonna be like, no one po- no one bought anything anyway. See, they're, they're gonna forget about it, and then I'm gonna be walking home. I'm gonna show up to my apartment. And there's gonna be a nice package at my uh-huh. door. It's gonna like, be the the film reel for, and it's uh, what is this? And then, and then there's just there's just a nice there there's a nice picture. It's just it's just Hugh Jackman's face. I open it up, and it says. This one's for you, kid. And there's just SK for Simon Kinberg. And it's just the whole film reel. And I'm like, this is great. I don't have a film projector. You're going to sneak into a, a theater at 2 in the morning. and <clears throat> It'll have to be a hipster theater, though. Because like mainstream theaters only do digital now. True. Even better. Make it, no, here's what you do. We'll get back to Dr. No, I promise. Here's what you do is you go to a film festival and say, this is my film. <laughs> and then you just watch it. That, that's the best That's the best <clears throat> independent film I've ever seen. The special effects were mind-boggling. The story was pretty... Eh, no, no, no that's, that's the best part is that the movie's actually excellent. And so, <laughs> so you just get to watch it for the first time and everyone's like, man... That was really, where did that? And of course, these are all indie, these are all indie hipsters, so they've never seen you know Days of Future Past. They have no idea what the X Men are. That's yeah. too that's too mainstream for them. They're just like, man, what wow. is that? The metaphors for racial intolerance. <laughs> They're and rediscovering. It's the, we need this in our day with Trump in the White House. We need this. <laughs> they just go on this long they, thing. They're rediscovering the the brilliance of the X Men that as they were back in the seventies, uh, <laughs> and as the movie should have long like progressed past and like already like built upon. Yeah. Even though this movie is finally getting it right the first time, and they're like, man. And they're just like, what inspired you to make this? And I'm just like, well, I'm a fan of X Men Apocalypse, <laughs> <laughs> and I really thought the story should continue, but you know, be terrible. <laughs> When is that supposed to come out? Allegedly. June. Okay. I, I don't know what I'm doing with that information. I just wanted to have to. It's, it's it's not coming out, but I'll I'll be I'll be optimistic. I can't here. tell you why, but I wanted to put it on my calendar. I, I don't know what I I don't know what like my reasoning for that is, but I want to make sure I'm aware. We're going to the midnight premiere. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Do people even do midnight premieres anymore? And I'm I'm gonna go to the first two showings back to back, and that way when I walk out of the first one, I'm like, dear God, that was terrible. Then I'll have to sit through it again. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, you'll find enlightenment. So, Doctor No. So, Doctor No. Well, it, it's very interesting how this one. It's funny how we talk about, like, franchise mentality, like, oh, we got to set up sequels and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And this one does an amazing job of just setting up things without having, like, having it shoved down your throat. Like, uh-huh. having Dr. No being a villain who's a part of Spectre, yeah. it's actually a really interesting idea. Yeah. This is like, oh, we can set up Spectre, that way we can use them in later movies. And it's, it's funny that we were speaking of X-Men, uh, actual point to make. Um, oh my we God. talked a lot about how the first X-Men feels a lot like a TV pilot. Uh, yeah. That's that's not the first time that's happened to us where we've we've watched a franchise. In the first movie, the franchise feels like they are 
or like Mission Impossible, for example. Uh, yeah. They're they're really working out the kinks, and they're like, uh, okay, we've got a basic story here. Let's let's hammer this out. And let's see what happens. Uh, they end up with something that is sort of forgettable, uh, but you know does enough to to keep the movie or the franchise going forward. Uh, this one doesn't feel like that. This one very much feels like, you know, we've got this movie and we're we're making this movie. We want it to be a good movie. It's not going to be mind blowing. Uh, it's not going to be you know globe trotting or anything like that we're not gonna have this giant sweeping epic but it's it'll be a fun it'll be a fun cool action movie uh with some some mystery some thrills some uh risque uh interactions and uh and bond being bond we'll have this this charismatic dude uh and and we're just gonna have some fun with it and and so like it doesn't it it stands on its own very well it doesn't feel like we're it doesn't feel like we just watched an advertisement for the all the other movies that are about to come uh, it just feels like we watched, just watched a pretty good movie. Um, and I was... Something else that was kind of in my head as well at that... Like, on the, along those lines, I'll watch it. Uh, the overall, like, idea of what movies were at this time and the fact that, like, this wasn't called James Bond colon Dr. No. Or yeah. this wasn't ca- called James Bond. It was just called Dr. No. And I, I mean, I, I don't know at the time how many people would have like recognized like oh that's a James Bond film um like that's kind of a weird title for for a movie you know it's yeah. it's kind of weird to to like or at least nowadays you would never release oh i don't know um what's what's a what's a good example of like a, a high profile like you you wouldn't release star wars under the name or or i mean actually that's a perfect example you wouldn't release a movie that just call, is called Rogue One. I mean, you could, but they didn't call it Rogue One. They made a big deal of calling it Rogue One, a Star Wars story. You know, it's ironic that that a, a film titled Solo, a Star Wars story, you know, you know, Solo, it stands on its own. Yeah. And it has to have <laughs> a Star Wars story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's kind of a bad example because they've already done that. But I'm, I'm trying to think of something where, like, even beyond that... Uh, What's a franchise we've done where there's like subtitles? I can't think of a recent one. I mean, the last several Mission Impossible's. Yeah, that, that's actually a great example. You wouldn't just release a movie and call it Ghost Protocol, or you wouldn't just release Fallout. They're all they're all Mission Impossible colon or whatever the crap they is they do. It's something stupid. You wouldn't <laughs> release a movie called Rise of the Machines, nor should you. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, or even like, or the last night. Think about think about the Marvel movies. They're all the first of it, or Captain America, the first Avenger, not just per- perfect the first example. Avenger. Well, that was to reach international audiences, so as not to offend because America. Sure, true, true, true. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Even the first one has a subtitle. Yeah, you wouldn't just call it the Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's actually that's actually maybe one of the closest ones because that's another one where it's like. You don't necessarily have to make a franchise out of this, but yeah. and you don't really have like a public consciousness knowing like what this what came before this. Um, it's bizarre that they didn't just call that Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, the fact that they called it colon the Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah. But and it and it goes back to as well the fact that like we talked about how the the Dollars trilogy uh, they were all released in one year in America, and so they yeah. could have rebranded those. They could have said, you know, this is. Uh, the man with no name, a fistful of dollars. Yeah, something something like that. 
you know that that could I mean this probably would have had to come up with a, a more catchy name I think if you're a fistful be... of dollars for a few dollars more and then all the dollars yeah something, something, something like that um, and and so that's what I'm I'm getting at is that this came out at a time when you didn't really think a movie I mean this was pre Jaws even uh, it came out at a time where you didn't really think of movies as being oh this is part of a franchise yeah it's all you know th- this is just a one-off movie there might be movies that have sequels but it's it's rarely going to be i mean this even goes even goes back to the like black and white uh monster movies because they usually have like return of frankenstein or whatever it wasn't frankenstein 2 you know or they, they didn't use part 2 or 2 or anything yeah. like that and i'm sure you can find a few examples of that floating around but that was not the main thing and so that's why all i was thinking when i was first watching this is i was like i would have no context for like what I'm getting into watching this. Like, I, yeah. I assume the trailer probably gave everything away because it was the 60s. But uh, in, in terms of, like, this just... Well, it's just funny because old trailers, the, the narrator just tells you the plot of the movie, and it's not necessarily like, oh, the, all the footage in the, of the movie is shown. It's just yeah. the, the narrator literally tells you the plot. Yeah, yeah. And now, in, in modern trailers, it's just... <laughs> vague lines about the world ending and us having to come together and then they just show you all the footage of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the total opposite. That is, yeah, very true. We've come a long way, I guess. The Amazing Spider-Man 2's marketing sucks! Man, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting way to, to look at this and, and to put yourself in perspective is like yeah you're just walking into a movie it's called dr no maybe you've you know, seen like, some trailers i saw zero zero seven on the poster yeah like, what's that about it's like what 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 what's yeah like you, you would have no context really for for the fact that you are you're getting into something that theoretically could become a, a, a mega franchise yeah. uh and you probably wouldn't even really have much of a context for franchise in general and so that's that's a really interesting thing uh, I, yeah. I, I did. It kind of clicked for me that I was like, people may not have actually known what they were getting into with this. Yeah. Uh, way back when, and I think that might be a, just a, like I think it's based on a book. I, I do wonder. Yeah, I do wonder if that was uh, if that at all has had an impact on the movie's popularity and longevity. If it's it's just sort of like people d- didn't realize what they had yet. They were like, yeah. uh, okay, that, that was cool. Like this action hero guy, you know, he's charming he's charming scotsman dude he's going around killing people and, and having sex with ladies apparently like lots of them <laughs> i am from the 60s so i relate with this like <laughs> yeah that's interesting i am from the 60s stds are not a thing <laughs> i am from the 60s i too smoked my way through the entire uh, theater while i was watching the movie that's true they specifically had Bond quit. He gave up smoking after a certain point. Huh. In in the films, I, uh-huh. I don't feel comfortable with that. <laughs> like Bond's a hard drinking, hard smoking. Well, SOB. that's the issue. That's the issue is that <coughs> now we need to, and we need to get into the differences between film Bond and book Bond. Well, that's exactly what I'm about to say. Is that you? You've talked to me before about the fact that Daniel Craig Bond is. Maybe a lot more in line with with Daniel Craig the, Bond and Timothy Dalton Bond, at least in performance, are 
the closest right. we've gotten to Buffy. Because the idea is that he's a lot more like a psychopath. And and nowadays, like, a cigarette or a... Not necessarily a psychopath. It's not like he enjoys killing sure. people. It's just he's desensitized by it. Yes. So, like, it's not a big deal to him when people get killed. Sure. Um, and me just being a snarky guy that wants to argue with you quarrel dying maybe that's that's what they're going right. for bond's, but bond's hardened he doesn't care but that's definitely not how bond is playing <laughs> the rest of the movie they're going for. <laughs> uh but i was gonna say also know, i really wish you know how felix shows up at the end to rescue them he's just like hey man where's quarrel my best friend quarrel <laughs> um i've got some bad news for you felix <laughs> oh but I was gonna say. Also, uh, it's nice how they set up Felix as a potential sure. like future partner for Bond. Um, but I was that actor. Say, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, just, uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Felix Leiter. <laughs> I was gonna say you're, I think he's you're never get, the same actor. I think you're getting on a different tangent here. Yes, um, I am. Cigarettes I and 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 hard drinking, or whatever. You know, you you in a movie nowadays character walks up to a character in a bar and they're this this like grizzled looking you know character usually with like a beard five o'clock yeah. shot or whatever that's that's uh, uh kind of a, a, t- a tip off that they're supposed to be kind of the uh, weathered uh you know hardened mm-hmm. uh general you know kind of uh cynical cynical anti-hero kind of guy and you know that 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 would be perfect for a bond played like the kind of bond you actually want to see where it's you know this guy who's who's basically just given up on life and has a death wish and is yeah. uh you know generally just just killing his way through life uh and that's that's an interesting like thing is is it's almost a sign of the fact that they were taking it in the wrong direction if if they eventually make him stop smoking when it's like that's becoming a a cue for oh this character is very like you know we're we're only showing them smoking because we want you to know they're a terrible role model basically yeah uh well, it's just funny because they want Bond to play for a wider audience. That's what right. they're going for. Because um, Bond in the books, he can be kind of unlikable with mm-hmm. how he behaves. And it, Sean Connery purposely wanted to inject humor into the movie, which, yep. fair enough, I think for the most part it works. Um, and even like as far back as this one, you get like the witty one-liners at the end of a scene. Yeah. Um, where he's getting chased with the horrible rear projection. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's getting chased by the three body mice, <laughs> but whatever. Um, and then they, they fall off the, the cliff, and the car blows up halfway down for oh, some Oh, that was reason? the best part. The car's going down the cliff, and they like they couldn't even wait that long. Like th- This was before we even knew enough about physics to be like, all right, well, it wouldn't blow up until it hit the ground. It was just like, eh, it's probably, it's probably going far enough. I'm like, was there supposed to be like, was there supposed to be like a first shot of them like uh, getting grenades ready or something? Like, they, they, or... they messed up the uh, the pyrotechnic and they're just like, ah, eh, that's probably fine. <laughs> it's probably fine. Yeah, whatever. And then Bond goes, or, or the, the the construction guy goes, what happened? And he goes, oh, I think they were on their way to a funeral. Yeah, and that's a good. good. That's good. Yeah. And, and hey, and that's... Sean Sean Connery's an actor that's able to sell those lines. Yeah. Whereas you get like Daniel Craig trying to do one-liners and it's it ain't working for him because he's trying to do more book accurate bond um and and book bond does not throw out witty one-liners like that 
Um, Bond's a very stubborn, world-weary person, and he's very much like Ian Fleming himself. Right. So it, it's like an avatar through which Ian Fleming just kind of has these awesome adventures. <laughs> um, ah, so what you're telling me is Bond is the original Mary Sue? Oh my god. Well, Bond gets beat up, and Ray doesn't get beat up. So oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Just wanted and, to make and, sure he wasn't as terrible characters that trash Ray. And and Ray also has powers in the Force that are never explained, and Bond's right. just a guy. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. your argument fell apart there. <laughs> I, I, the first thing I thought was, well, Bond has powers in bed that are never explained. But... It's like Podrick from Game of Thrones. <laughs> I do recognize if you're not watching Game of Thrones, that means nothing to you. Anyways. <laughs> We're not going to explain it. We're not going to explain it. Moving on. Um, but Bond, like, throughout the books, you get, like, his whole worldview and how he starts off, like, Britain's the good guys, Russia's the bad guys, Soviets are evil, and then it's slowly, like, as Ian Fleming's mind cares less about that kind of thing uh-huh. the villains become less political like then we okay. get Spectre like halfway through the series and it's like they're just like third party bad guys that are trying to turn the you know yeah. get people fighting it's not the Russians right which Russian agents are like the villains in the first several books yeah. like Le Chief in Casino Royale is a Russian agent uh-huh. um so that's just interesting how slowly Bond's worldview changes and we don't really get that at right. all in the movies um, they just start off as we're going to try and be a- as apolitical as possible that way this movie sells everywhere um, and we get that even more from Russia with Love where it's like no the, the Russians aren't the bad guys it's Spectre that's trying to trick both sides yeah. um, in the book it's just Russia's the bad guys <laughs> very good very good um, but you slowly throughout the series you kind of see kind of the fall of the British Empire and kind of how Bond perceives that and especially like whenever he goes to America like half the dialogue is just how much he hates being in America <laughs> <laughs> like like e- even if it's just him talking about how he's reacting to something it tells us something about Bond and I like Sean Connery's performance a lot in this I think there's very key moments that may really sell his Bond for me um, like him taking out Professor Dent uh, which is something Ian Fleming was actually against. Um, he didn't want him to just shoot an unarmed man, even uh-huh. though Dent reaches for his gun and would have sh- shot Bond had he not had any more bullets. Right. So I'm like, I'm fine with Bond shooting him. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I think that really helps cement, like, this is a cold guy and he gets the job done. Yep. I don't know. I like that. Um, That's good. They, I, I think they do a good job of him being kind of a... Uh... I mean, he he's he kind of just portrays him as like a monster. If if this wasn't the '60s and it wasn't kind of shot with that uh, that idea that you're supposed to be kind of idealizing this guy, yeah, uh, that's that's sort of how the film portrays him. But his actual like actions are, and uh, I don't I don't think Ian Fleming wanted Bond idealized. Yeah, like he's just like this, just kind of a ruthless character. Yeah, he's a blunt instrument. Um. 
And sure, he, he, like, he's very particular about, like, his clothing style and his drink and whatever, but, like, you shouldn't... These aren't... <sighs> Ian Fleming's got this whole chip on his shoulder where he's like, I don't want schoolboys reading these things. These are these are books for, like, mature audiences and stuff. Yeah. And it's just funny how much times have changed, where it's just like, no kids like Bond. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they probably shouldn't be watching Bond for a long sure, time. Sure, Um... It's just weird how perception seems. The 60s were a different time. Right. Um, I'm, we're jumping all over the place here. You're not I feel like right. we haven't even talked about we the We had plot. a 10-minute spiel about, like, in-game and something else that I don't even remember. It's fine. Dark Phoenix, that's right. It's fine. It's, fine. <laughs> it's gonna suck. Um, but my point is, I think the movies, even starting from the word go strip out most of Bond's character leaving just this not quite caricature because each actor is bringing a performance to it but it's very clearly like it. we're making the, we're wa- washing it down we're, we're basically just, just taking away a lot of the, the more interesting elements of the character and I don't know just kind of making him just cool suave action man um and that's cool for like one or two movies, but I, I don't know. I, I have a difficult relationship with the Bond movies, and I think as we go further along, you quickly realize, oh hey, maybe we should inject some character into this and give Bond some, you know, some agency. They realized at some point that they made a huge mistake. I mean, they didn't because they kept going with him having no character for a long time. I said at some point. At some point. <laughs> Give or take yeah. four years. It's like he's got just enough character for, to hang on. Right. He's got just... He's got the bare minimum amount of character. Sure. But yeah, I, I think... He, like I well, said, there's... I have a complicated relationship with the movies. He's suave action man and not a whole lot more than that. Right. Well, the, the thing is that that's interesting uh, to me about these is that... Uh, this is something that I, I saw I think it was in like a lecture Brandon Sanderson did who is the guy who uh, he's he's written a lot of stuff and, and a lot of people know him because he finished off the Wheel of Time series after uh, the author of that series passed away and a lot of people want him to take over uh, Game of Thrones or sorry I should say A Song of Ice and Fire from George R. R. Martin um, because George R. R. Martin doesn't seem like he, he really wants to or, or has the, the motivation to finish those um, and Brandon, Sanders, Brandon Sanderson writes fast. Anyway, that, that that's a quick. This podcast is already all over the place. Why not? Why not just introduce some more minor characters? It's fine. Um, the point is that you mentioned this thing about how characters that are shown doing something will generally be more likable than characters who react. I mean, we, we I think I talked about this some during the uh, Harry Potter uh, franchise, talking about the fact that the book Harry does a lot more and, and like is a lot more proactive in trying to solve his own issues whereas well I mean the the movie Harry is very much like reacting to the events around him uh, I think it's a, I think this t- speaks a lot to the fact that like people really like Bond because he's constantly shown like it looks like he knows what he's doing and he's he's yeah. he's got an idea and he, he, he's he's so there's something that he like immediately has thought of and he's executing a plan you know the the part where he puts the uh the powder on the suitcase and he puts the hair in front of the door to see if people are searching his room he's doing spy things yeah 
Yeah, like he's remember constantly... when Bond did actual <laughs> spy things. He didn't just go up to the bad guy and said, "My name is James Bond. <laughs> Here's my you. ID card and my my Walther." <laughs> You're saying a wallet? <laughs> uh, yeah, he. It's it's. I think that, I think that goes a long way in making us like the character is that he seems very uh, self assured and, and, and he, he kind of draws you in because of course Sean Connery exudes that kind of charisma. And on top of that, you've, you've got a character who is, you know, kind of looks like he's in charge. And uh, he, he's just generally, like, trying to, to get ahead of the situation. And it doesn't always work. Like, they, they do show, like, he has, he has setbacks where, where things that he thought were going to work out don't. For instance, he gets this poor random man killed. Uh, in a fiery, fiery death. He knows Quirrell is afraid of the dragon and he didn't want to come here come to Crab Key in the first place and the dragon starts up and he's like alright I need you to sneak around and take out the guard you know I'll stay back here I'll shoot out <laughs> the headlights and the tires I'll stay back here you go up there yeah yeah Quarrel you you poor man <laughs> Quarrel didn't deserve this yeah it's definitely one of those things we were talking about this beforehand where I I, I think we're gonna have to uh, address it's not super prominent in this movie. Um, there's definitely some stuff with like his re- interactions with him and like Honey Rider, uh, but g- the general fact that Bond is supposed to be like the, uh, it, I don't know what the best way to put this. Um, I mean, it, it again, the '60s were a different time. This this is why this is a thing. But the fact that Bond is very much ah, oh, don't, don't worry, little girl, I'm going to help us solve all our problems, and, like, yeah. you can't be expected, you delicate flower, to, to you know, uh, deal with any of these, these major issues that are going on. It's, it's okay, I, I'm smart, I'll put everything together. And uh, the, the fact that he's the only one who realizes that the dragon thing is just a thing in, like, a, a jeep, that's a, that's a, that's a weird, it's a weird thing. I don't know, I don't know about that. I think I think the dragon and the issue with the dragon is just a lack of budget. Sure, sure. I think the budget for this movie was just a million dollars. And of course, for the time, you know, with inflation and everything, that's that's it's Probably not a million dollars in today's money. But for something that's trying to be a bit bigger than a normal movie, yeah. Um, particularly like with some of the production design and stuff. Uh-huh. Um. I don't know, but that's just one of the areas that I think kind of suffers for it. But I'm willing to go with it. That's fine. <laughs> fine. It's interesting that they bring in Felix Leiter. Uh, I can't remember if he's in this book. Um, but he's a recurring character in the series. And it's just funny because after this, he every time he shows up, minus two different occasions, it's a different actor. Every time. And they okay. don't even look the same. Like, they don't even try to go for the same type of guy. No, like, see, that's be... the Bond theory that we've been we've been hiding all along. It's not that James Bond is a codename. Felix Leiter is a codename. That's the secret theory. I'd be more okay with that than James Bond being a codename. By the way, a million dollars in 1963 is eight million dollars in today's money. So that's actually not, like, that's a massive... That's a small budget. But... 1960s there's not as much money in the film industry in general I assume at least in terms of like 
being able to throw hundreds of million dollars at random crap that everyone's going to hate on a screen. Oh, you mean uh, like $200 million for Dark Phoenix? <laughs> We're bringing it back! He just can't stay away. I just can't stay away. Anyways, Jack Ward plays Felix Slater, and he ended up being on uh, Hawaii Five-0. Not not the reboot. Uh, okay, okay. But appar- apparently in the... Be quiet, you. Apparently in the sequels, like they, they wanted to bring him back, and he was like, okay, but I need top bill- billing with Sean Connery. Well, like, but you're Felix Slater. You're <laughs> you're just like a side character. You're not James Bond. And then they and then they didn't cast him again. I'm like, all like, right, that's well, fine. We're, we're not doing that. Well, it's just funny because like none of most of the actors don't fit the description of Felix Slater. Specifically, like he's got straw colored hair. That's something that keeps being brought back as in a description for him. I'm like, just keep casting all these brunette guys <laughs> just these these normal like like Jack Lord when I look at him I'm like if you had a British accent you could have been up for the role of Bond sure <laughs> it, it does make me wonder if, like did they were they thinking of trying to do a Felix Leiter spinoff series I believe it that would have been embarrassing Felix Leiter a James Bond story Felix Leiter, a Doctor No story, parentheses, which is a James Bond story. Tyler and I are going on sabbatical for six months so we can write this script and submit it to <laughs> uh, Eon Productions. Okay. Sounds good. I've just been informed of this. I can, I can do that. I can pick up my life. It's fine. Let's do it. <laughs> and then we turn to the script and they look at the script and they're like, why does this say Dark Phoenix? <laughs> <laughs> and then I just look at the camera. Got him. <laughs> got him. Got him. Venom. Uh, oh my god. One, one day we're going to put out a podcast. It's going to be for like oh, I don't know, like Transformers 8. Um uh, a no, Bumblebee story. F- it's going to be for you only live twice. Sure. A Who Bumblebee story. Cares? <laughs> It's gonna be for the the inevitable James Bond Transformers crossover, and uh, and then the 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 podcast is just going to be a series of just like us saying like phrases that we have slowly accumulated over the course of doing this. It's just gonna be like things that that like nobody could possibly remember where all these came from or like like have have connection to them. And it's it's just it's just gonna be disconnected phrases and us maybe alternating between crying and laughing. And that's that's gonna be it's gonna be podcast uh what are what are we on now what, what podcast are we on 136 we have we have released podcast 135 uh yeah that's gonna be podcast 137 is what that's gonna happen <laughs> oh my god <sighs> Boy. so dr no <laughs> it's dr no um i don't know everything else like there aren't elements in this movie more than what we've talked about that are like super amazing or anything like uh-huh. that like a lot of the acting like it's fine like characters like Professor Dent fine yeah. yeah, there's nothing like super impressive about the rest of it but it's just solid and competent mm-hmm. 
I mean, the most impressive thing to me, I think, is that the the story. We got to talk about the tarantula scene, though. Sure. It's embarrassing. There's there's multiple elements that make that scene laughable. What 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 is? I mean, All I right. do. Right. I do yeah. that. I know that tarantulas aren't actually poisonous, but that's that's number one. Science science wasn't invented in the sixties, so why like the they book... hadn't gone to the moon yet? You know why? You know how can <laughs> what are you expecting of them? What is and that? the story is about them launching a rocket to orbit the moon. Sure. Sure. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, it all connects. Number one, tarantulas aren't aren't poisonous or harmful to humans, really. Uh-huh. Number two, in the book, it's centipede. Okay. Like it, it's a it's a it's a actual poisonous like creature. Yep. Um, I don't know why. Uh, they just chose like a in set. Star Wars Episode One, or sorry, Star Wars Episode Two. I Attack was of the thinking clones. that while I was watching this, I was going. <laughs> Did George Lucas like read the Doctor No book and said <laughs> I'm injecting that into this? I, I seriously had that thought. The prequels would make a lot more sense if they were just a collection of things that George Lucas saved from other projects, and we just or didn't things realize it. or things he he thought he he wanted he to thought do he saved. Yeah, yeah, like like uh, Plinkett does the whole gladiator joke with the arena where he's watched gladiator and he's like, all right, that's cool. I'm gonna do it bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's gonna be giant termite aliens, centipedes. Um, there you go. So, number three, Sean Connery refused to have the tarantula touch him. He was terrified. Okay. So, there's a stunt guy for most of the shots where the tarantula is crawling up his arm, and the one shot where you see Sean Connery in the same frame as the tarantula. There's a glass plate between the two of them, <laughs> and if you're looking for it, that's you amazing. can tell. I'm, I'm sad I didn't know about this because I, I I wish I'd seen that. I will have to try you and look up tell. a clip of it. Um, especially in HD, it's it's huh. laughable. And then lastly, when he finally he knocks, you know, he he gets out of bed, he throws the spider to the ground, and then he starts hitting it. The music is in rhythm with him hitting the tarantula, and it. Feels like an Austin Powers sketch. <laughs> I think that's the worst scene in the movie. Okay. <laughs> there were so many just small little elements where I was like, wait, what? And of course, a lot of that hinges on my background knowledge of them making sure, the movie. But sure. still. One other thing I wanted to bring about uh, up about Bond's character... Um, Sean Connery's Bond is never this vulnerable again. Like, the scene where he he's talking with Dr. No at the dinner table, and then they just, like, Dr. No's like, alright, I'm done with this conversation. And then they just beat the crap out of Bond and leave him in the, the little uh, prison room to try and escape. Uh-huh. Um, like, we never see him that vulnerable again. Like, he's he looks like he's in, like, actual pain. Right. When he's trying to crawl through that tunnel. Which, by the way, one thing that kind of confused me, mm-hmm. just knowing the book as I do, basically Dr. Knows just, like, he's sadistic, and he wants to see, like, people push to the nth degree in terms of suffering to see how, if they can make it. Mm-hmm. So he devises, like, this death trap thing, like a test for, for people that he wants to have suffer. So he forces Bond to go on this... this it's not necessarily a maze. It's like a tunnel, and it's got all these things. Like it gets super hot 
And okay. it's like, how long can you last? And he eventually gets out, and that leads into the guano stuff. Right. Um, and I think Honey Rider at the end, there are like a bunch of scorpions that are about to attack her. And it's not just she's chained next to water, and I guess they're just going to leave her to drown. Yeah. Which was a weird um, sort of throwaway thing where it's like, yeah. oh, we, we're not addressing the fact that there was like a time limit for that. You yeah. could have added some. But anyway. I do have to wonder, like, is the death trap like what they have in mind? Or are they intending for Bond to just stay in there? Because he gets out pretty quickly overall. Yeah. And like, they conveniently have that vent. Like, it's electrified, but then Bond like immediately just busts through it because he's smart. Right. Like, but also, like it leads, eh. it leads to their uh, to their radioactive chamber, or whatever. Or I yeah. guess it doesn't right away, doesn't? I don't. Remember. It leads it leads to the the area where they were uh, removing the radiation from them. Right. All right. Yeah. Which which yeah. is a weird scene, but it's also really interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like it's amazing how the Bond movies like over-sexualize women a lot yeah. but they don't really do that focus with, yeah. on oh they forced her to undress look at how she's forced to undress yeah, yeah. They, like they don't linger on that any longer than they have to um, I also love how Sean Connery Bond just just takes charge in that scene <laughs> and they're like you have to take your clothes off and he's like yeah but what about these here come here you and he just and the other guys are just like alright <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I do think that... You're right. The, the confidence, the the, eight, the the proactivity of Bond is, <laughs> is what sells the character in the movies. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> You've solved it. <laughs> we can make all movies great now. Just have a man on a mission in every movie. You can't fail. Yep. Except for the Bond movies that suck. <laughs> the, uh... The vent the scene, I think, though, is pretty effective. Uh overall like, like him crawling through it uh, I, I enjoyed that quite a I bit I just it, wish I knew if Dr. No was trying to test him like no I, I, I definitely just I definitely don't think that is in the context of the film at least no. what, what they were no no for. it's not it's not but it's just strange sure I also love the dinner scene uh-huh. um, I do have some qualms with <laughs> <laughs> Doctor knows makeup in terms well, of the fact you're that... gonna say the actor. Well, he's like he, he's supposed to be like half uh, half Asian. Chinese, high, half German is what they said. And they choose a Jewish actor to play him. Yeah, and they're just like, "Well, cake you in makeup, you can look Asian." <laughs> yeah, I gotta say they they put on ch- Chinese face, <laughs> uh, which it's not that bad. No, no. Well, that's what I was gonna say is they they use the excuse of oh he's 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 only half Chinese so they can kind of yeah you know highlight some features but it's still kind of like ah, i don't know about this yeah the 60s were a different time 60s were a different time um i do like the conversation between him and bond and even the lead up to that where they're walking around they're seeing all the stuff that that he's stolen and we, we see the awesome um window with all the fish in it uh-huh. um and there's a little gag and they linger on it for just long enough to be like wait what's that where they look over and they see like a painting as they're walking up the steps uh-huh. and, and it focuses on that painting for a moment. Apparently that was a painting that was actually stolen. And it's like, like, like in reality, 
it was stolen. So yeah. they're like, oh, hey, in the film we can write it, Dr. No stole it. Huh. That's neat. Like a funny, witty little thing. Yeah. Um, but I like... This is one of those things where I like when the villain tries to get the hero to join them. Uh-huh. And it's not even like he's begging him to join him or he's trying to explain. Um, he just goes, well, you're smart. You almost took down my whole operation. Figured there might be something worthwhile okay. with you. And Bond's just like, nope. <laughs> and I love Dr. No's line where he goes, oh, I, I, it turns out you're just a stupid policeman. <laughs> I like that. And then I think I talked about this in a previous episode. Oh, yeah, it was when we were doing the, the rewritening. And I was talking about my, my redo of Spectre. Um, I love Bond's line of world domination, same old dream. Yep. I love it. And then you get to later movies, and it's like, oh, they they do literally just want to take over the world. This is this is embarrassing. <laughs> we should review the Austin Powers trilogy after all these. No. You'd have so much more context. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I'd be up for it at some point, but I think we got to get through the Bond franchise first, and yeah. we're, we're breaking this up, so that that's gonna be a while. Yeah. Um, it's funny how many criticisms I've thrown at this movie, but I do really enjoy it. Sure. I think it, like like I said, it's just like a thoroughly made, efficient spy thriller. Yeah, I, it, it definitely necessarily. It, it's just more of a mystery. It checks a lot of boxes uh, with uh, casino, a lot of the same boxes as Casino Royale, I should say. Uh, for me, Casino Royale obviously has the advantage of being made more recently, uh, has some more character depth to it. Um, but I and do it also has the best theme song ever. Sure, uh, but I do have some concerns with, or I did have some concerns with Casino Royale's plot and like kind of the you can go back with that podcast. I don't I don't even know if it's listenable, but you can you can you can try, uh, and try and go back to that. And you thought the plot was a little bloated and chunky, and you yeah. can cut out stuff. Yeah, and and this one I think is is very efficient, very lean. Uh, <clears throat> also has a great leading performance. Um, overall, I, I, I had a good time with it. I think Doctor knows a more compelling villain than Lashif. I like Lashif, um, yeah. Yeah. but I think Doctor knows a more compelling villain. Also, they do a good job building up the sense of menace and dread with Doctor No by only showing him in the third act. Like, there's that scene yes. where Professor Dent yeah, yeah. shows up and he's like, "A oh, Bond, Bond knows what's up. He's gonna try and get us. What are we gonna do?" And Doctor knows like. I like he's he's just this voice that you hear, and it's kind of it is genuinely like oh my, well this this guy sounds pretty powerful, yeah. and uh, as as horribly miscast as the 1960s may have allowed him to be, uh, he the, the, the I I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> the, the the performance is really good I think I, I think he yeah. he does a great job of that. I believe in the book he just has hooks for hands. Interesting. Whereas with this, I actually like... Yeah, that's kind of a cool... I can't quite tell what they are. Because <laughs> I can't tell if he's like wearing like rubber gloves on them or if it's just like... They're, no, I think they're the idea... Like all metal. I think the idea is that they're the rubber gloves on them, but they're... Yeah. There's something weird underneath there. Yeah. I don't know how that but works. I, I... You know, we talk about how kind of maybe lackluster the, the climax is uh-huh. just because there's... It's pretty quick. Um, but I like that the end is like we set up. He's got these awesome hands, and he crushes stuff with them. 
Yeah. And then he can't climb because he can't fully grip the railing. Uh-huh. I like that. And that and, and going back to that, uh, that is a nice like little how in that scene Bond shows up and, and he's looking around, he sees there all the radioactivity going on, and he sees that they're setting things up and he, he notices that there's this block of, of some hot material in the pool. Yeah. Um nuclear material, I guess. Uh, and and they're using this like pillar sort of thing to to move it up and down and like he I don't really know how all that's supposed to work. Science. Do radio waves need nuclear stuff? Probably not. Science. I feel like they saw hey they're launching nuclear rockets and then they said we can have nuclear stuff at this thing that's not actually related to the rocket. Right. It's just I'm not sure. All right, if you're breaking me down a little bit, I don't know if this finale actually makes that much sense. <laughs> Look, it doesn't, but it's cool. Uh, well, it's the... nice because they don't spend uber amounts of time or exposition right. trying to explain what it is. That right. would have been worse. It's just nebulous scientific stuff to do bad things, yes. which I'm fine with in a movie like this. Point is, they, they, there's a fight, or Bond, Bond blows open the, the thing by... Or, <clears throat> not blows over, but he he turns the thing so that the everything starts to go on fire and like freak out. Uh, don't really know how all that works necessarily, but basically the thing the block starts coming up from underneath the the pool, and uh, then Bond and Doctor No fall onto it, and like that uh, ends up sending sending Doctor No into the pool where it's it's radioactive and sizzling and awful, uh, and yeah. and that's. Uh, that, like that whole because that that we go and look at that set piece multiple times of that little block, um, and it's, I just think that's a very cool the way they do that and like they kind of you know it's it's a nice thrill to see like oh is Bond gonna be able to get off that block because it's like sinking and it is so close, you know that, that that's a really neat little thing that's just like set up a couple times over the span of like five or ten minutes and and they play, play it off to good effect. I do find it amusing how everything starts to go haywire and all of the other men working with Dr. No just flee for their lives. Uh-huh. Like, nobody tries to stop it or fix the problem. Yeah. And, and Dr. No's the only one that goes, oh, hey, that's Bond up there. I'm gonna try and kill him. Like, he doesn't have guards in there to show yep. up and just, like, shoot at Bond or anything. I'm not sure if that's a problem the or not. likes to get his hands dirty. <laughs> his non-existent hands. Correct. I'm sure there's more stuff we could discuss, but I, I think we're we're kind of close to wrapping yeah. up. Um, Made a feature length. <laughs> Made a feature length. I like it quite a bit. Um, it's got problems. It's it's not a perfect start by any means, uh-huh. but for this franchise, I think it's a it's a it's solid. Yeah. D minus. <laughs> what are you What are you going? <laughs> oh God. Um. I think I'm going to go B minus. Okay. Um, I'm not sure in the Bond community if that's offensive or not. <laughs> uh, I would I say like good, not never great. Hear about this movie. I uh, would say good, not great. That's how I would define it. Um, and the biggest strength is just how efficient the plot is. It doesn't linger on stupid nonsense like some yeah. of the future Bond movies will do. And it actually has a plot. Like, it has a story. I understand how plot points lead into one another. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it nice? when, 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 Especially, like, when you're watching a mystery and you're like, ooh, I, how do they explain that? And there's, like, an answer. Yeah. And it actually, like, explains itself. 
Not all Bond movies do that. I'm just... I'm warning you now, Tyler. Uh, sure. I mean, you've already seen some that don't do that. Spectre! <laughs> I think I'm going to go beat Minus as well. We haven't agreed on a movie in a while, I feel like. Well, that's well, the, well, that's, that's the problem when I'm, I'm just, like, completely burnt on a franchise. I, I was honestly wavering between the C plus 2B range. I couldn't, I couldn't quite decide... Yeah, so I figure I'll I'll stick there for now. I'll just. I mean, it's 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 not like over the park amazing, and of course it's not terrible. Yeah, it, it's it's like it's solid. Yep. I like a good solid movie now and again. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, it'll be really interesting moving forward. I'm not looking forward to it. I have concerns. The only one that I'm truly like I want to watch this movie again is from Russia with Love, and that's just because I think that is it's the, I think it's overall the best Sean Connery movie, and I think it's one of the best. Like I would place it like top five Bond movies. Okay. And I know I showed it to you, and you weren't that overly impressed. Wait, by so it, what are what but... are your what are your other top five? Um. Uh... If if this is not now, now you're making me rack my brains here. All right, I'm I'm gonna have to pull up the list just so I got my. Bearings. We can we can we can hold off on this. No, <laughs> we're doing it right now. We're wasting more time on things that don't matter. It's gonna Fair. be great. Um, Casino Royale and Skyfall would cer- certainly be up there. Okay. Um, despite my reservations about Skyfall and certain parts of the plot, I it's definitely one of the best. Like, no question. Okay. Um, Golden Eye is also one of my favorites. Those, that would probably be top three. Okay. I don't know. Promotion with love, I really like. So what's what's five? It's a what's difficult five? situation you put me in, Tyler. It's a difficult. I just situation. want to know five. <laughs> it might be on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Okay. Yeah, looking looking at him. Uh, Doctor No might actually be like number six or seven. Okay. Um, that's mo- that's more what I was confused by i was like how 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 is this not top five given how you've discussed the other bond movies but you you, i I follow the last time we watched when i showed you on her majesty's secret service you were like you 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 like inserted a couple thoughts into my brain that were just like is the movie broken forever (laughs) so i'll have to watch that Um, again but it's it's the inception yeah (laughs) which is funny because that movie inspired a lot of the set pieces in inception um, I don't know. That movie, I think, is the first. How have they not given Nolan a Bond movie? Because he keeps saying, "I want to do it when when I can have a fresh take." Like he wants to do it when they right. reboot. Um. So yeah. I think after this next Daniel Craig one, he is he will be one of the front runners to right. direct the next one. Right. I think. Who knows? Um. But I think Honor Majesty's Secret Service is one of I think it's the first one to really give Bond or to try and give Bond some character. Okay. Beyond what we get in Sean Connery's performance. Right. You can find us online at here on the sequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCT Seagulls. Find us uh through email at here come the sequels at gmail.com. We're also on iTunes and YouTube. You just search. Here come the sequels. What are we doing next? <laughs> From Russia with Love. Okay. Sure. We talked way too much about this. 
Um, this is what happens when Bond is on the brain for me. I believe it. I'm gonna go sleep for ten hours. And then watch <laughs> every single Bond movie. Incorrect. Stopping. How can that be incorrect? I know that's what you're gonna do. I see it in my mind's eye. I don't think and, that uh, means what you think it means. I'll get cracking on my Dark Phoenix script. <laughs> all right, all right. See, I'll, I'll use what footage has been provided to me in the trailers, and I'll just write a script from that. Okay, okay. Sounds good. The rest will be footage from X-Men Apocalypse. No, the, the rest will be footage from X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, oh, even better. I'm afraid of walking out of Dark Phoenix and going, X-Men Origins is looking pretty good right now. <laughs> that will be something you will have to deal with when the time comes. Oh my god, I can't wait to do the podcast for that. Good or bad, I can't wait. I can't wait, I'm so excited! I'm scared. Say the thing. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time for From Russia with Love. Um, Artist Subjective. Nothing is real. Tyler, feel better. Uh-huh.